contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, welcome back. Welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt, a guy I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while. Just retired from the NFL, someone I've admired for a while from a distance on and off the field. His name is Anquan Bolden, played many years, as everyone knows, in the NFL. And with training camp starting and so much in the news about Players Coalition, about what players are doing outside the game, about what's going on with the anthem, about meeting with the owners, about what's really going on, did want to talk to a current player as they're immersed in camp right now, but I wanted a, a former player right out of the game and so involved. Anquan Bolden will knock your socks off this interview as intelligent, articulate, and the power behind the coalition. Some of the things they're doing with DA meetings, with bringing owners like Robert Kraft to these community events, going into the grassroots and really making some change. Can't wait for you to hear Anquan Bolden in his own words. First, a word from our sponsor. It is sports betting time. We know the decision in the United States Supreme Court has changed everything in terms of gambling and sports betting. It's a pleasure to announce that now we have a new sponsor for the Podcast One Sportsnet, and that is Bet Online. Bet Online are our guys. We're going to trust them for all things betting, talking about lines, odds, wagers, inside information, you name it. It's going to come from Bet Online, our new sponsor. For the Podcast One Sports Network. Again, football starting. You're looking for a place to make your online wagers. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1, that's all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, number one, to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag. It's your online sport book experts. Again, go to PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, number one, to receive a 50% sign-up bonus towards your first online bet. That's betonline.ag, your online sports ex- experts. Head there right now. Get the best bonuses in this new world of sports betting. And welcome to betonline.ag, the new sponsor for Podcast One Sportsnet. Now, as a referenced, a powerful podcast ahead with former NFL player and certainly powerful activist, Anquan Bolden. As the season starts, I just want to get a sense of where we are with the Players Coalition, with their formation, with what's happened over the year. Obviously, so much attention now on protest and the anthem as we begin the season. But I want to have Anquan on, uh, someone I've wanted for a while, someone that I've seen as uh, much more than a player, a voice, an intelligent, articulate voice on topics beyond football. So, Anquan, I'm just thrilled to have you on the podcast and welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's, a, it's definitely a privilege to be on. Appreciate it. Um, you retired. Tell me what you've been up to uh, off the field since uh, since leaving the game. Well, since leaving the game, I've actually had a lot more time to spend with my family, um, mm-hmm. which is very, very important to me. But I've also um, been advocating uh, for criminal justice reform around the country. Um, I think we're all aware of the many problems that plague this country um, when it comes to um, the biases against certain groups, um, the discrimination when it comes against certain groups. Um, so I've, I've been, along with many other uh, current and former players, um, just been advocating for um, equality in this country. 
Yeah, I think it's important to note, and I know you're being modest, but this is not something new. I remember following you guys, you and Josh McCown and Andrew Hawkins and a few others going to Capitol Hill, it might have been even two years ago, and advocating with congressmen. That seemed to be a, a step right there, and of course it's continued since, correct? Definitely. Um, that that was the beginning for us. Um, and, you know, like you said, we, we went to D.C. Um, on Capitol Hill and, you know, met with different senators and congressmen. But I think for us, we learned over time that um, we can be most effective in our state and local communities. So we've tried to place our efforts there now. Um, so we're we're in different, uh, different states um, in those communities, learning what the issues are and coming up with solutions um, to those issues. And can you go deeper into that? I mean, I think people sort of see uh, you and Malcolm talking uh, in the media and hear Players Coalition and think about protests, and it all kind of emanates back to Colin Kaepernick a couple of years ago at this time of year, uh, first protest. But I think people, and I know it's unfortunate for you because you, you get to shake your head when you hear this, still don't really understand the message you guys are bringing, the advocacy you're bringing. Maybe you can articulate that you started to in terms of going local and going inside the communities rather than just talk. Yeah, so I think the most important thing, because when a lot of times when we, we talk, uh, you know, we, we say issues that affect our country. And, and unfortunately, when we have the platforms that we have, we don't have enough time to go into different issues right. um, that we're talking about. Um, so for the Players Coalition, um, you know, we, we try to break it down into three, um, three main pillars. We talk about criminal justice re- reform. We talk about police and community relationships. And we talk about education. But in those lies so much. Um, I mean, if you if you think about the education part, for an example, um, and we look how kids are being um, underserved and so in certain communities, um, we we see how now we have what we call a school to prison pipeline, where kids are not being disciplined in school, but they're being prosecuted in our courtrooms. And, for example, in, in Boston, we just got um, a law change. It's called Raise the Age. So in, Boston, in Massachusetts, a, a kid at the age of seven years old was prosecuted in a courtroom, which I'm sure if most people think about that, they number one, they would think it's untrue. Mm-hmm. They would think it doesn't happen in this country. And for me, it's unbelievable that... And, a seven-year-old can go before a judge when I have an eight-year-old at home. And I'm thinking my, my child doesn't have a clue when it comes to our criminal justice system. But as opposed to us dealing with things that go on in school, instead of us handling those things in school, we're putting these kids in courtrooms and prosecuting them that way. I look at the state of Florida, we currently have 1.7 million people that can't vote, ex-felons. In every other state except for three, when if you're a convicted felon, you get out of prison, there's a process that you go through. Once you complete that process, your voting rights are automatically restored. 
Well, in the state of Florida, it's not so. Even after you complete that process, there's a three a three member board that you have to go before, and they determine whether or not you get your voting rights back. So one in four black men in the state of Florida can't vote as we speak. Hmm. So we have it on the ballot in November um, to try to re- to restore voting rights on a rolling basis once um, people complete that process. So there's a lot of things that are going on in our country that people have no clue about. And for us, it's important to, number one, go and educate ourselves on these issues. And number two, we have to educate the public on them. Because there's a lot of times where we, we engage in conversations with, with different people and they have no clue that these things are going on. Yes. And I'm one. I'm learning just what you talked about, kind of raised my eyebrows. It's new to hear these kind of things. How did the Players Coalition and the name itself form? I know that, you know, we can go back a year ago, well, not a year ago, in the fall, that you guys were meeting with NFL owners. But I think before that, correct, that you had this group and Malcolm and others uh, formed it? Was it through mass text with the with players around, around the league? If you could go into the, the formation, because now you seem to be in an advanced state from that time. Yeah, the, honestly, um, the Players Coalition, we started, uh, I would say two years ago, but I think it came to a head two years ago. I okay. think you had guys doing doing things in the community on their own, um, just informally, uh, you know, guys working in the community. Guys had been seeing things go on in, in different communities and began to be frustrated, didn't like what they were seeing. So guys were trying to, you know, individually create change in the communities where they were seeing these problems happen. It wasn't until... Uh, years ago that we we started to come together so i a year before colin kaepernick started protesting my cousin was killed by by uh, a plainclothes police officer i'm sorry to hear that and he was killed thank you he was killed um after his car broke down on the side of the road so my cousin was in a band he had came he, you know he had just did a gig with his bandmates he was headed home. His car broke down on the side of the road, and he was on the phone with roadside assistance and got killed by a plainclothes officer. Mm. For me, that was the beginning of, I would say, my my advocacy work. He was killed on the side of the road just, just standing there, or an officer came up to him? Yeah, and- an officer came up to him. So my cousin was on the phone with roadside assistance, and... The saving grace that we have now, this, this this trial is actually still going on. And this has been, this will be three years come October. Um, my cousin was on the phone with roadside assistance. And the great thing about it is roadside assistance recorded the entire call. So my cousin's on the phone with roadside assistance. An off-duty um, plainclothes officer pulls up in front of my cousin in an unmarked van. So he pulls up in front of my cousin with a white van. And he pulls up and he has on a baseball cap, a white t-shirt, and some jeans. He never identifies himself as a police officer. Mm. 
so he pulled up and you hear my cousins on the phone. He's the, the officer says, Hey, is everything okay? And my cousin said, yes, I'm good. I'm on the phone with roadside assistance. They're going to help me. And then you hear the officer say like sarcastically, he says, really? And then my cousin, he goes, yes, you know, I'm on the phone with roadside assistance. I'm good. And then the officer says once more, really? And then my cousin says, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then the next thing you hear is, wait, wait, wait. And then you hear three shots. Wow, wow, wow. And that's the last that we heard from my cousin. Mm. So for me, you know, and my family is still going through this at this, at this time because um, the officer is trying to claim stand your ground. And I don't know how, but I began to do work, um, you know, individually. And then the following year, Kaepernick takes the knee. Mm -hmm. And then you start having demonstrations go on across the NFL. So at that point, I saw guys that had already been doing work in the different communities. And we start, I start texting guys and trying to get guys together. Because yeah, we can we can do some things individually, but I think we're a lot more powerful when mm -hmm. we come together and we're on the same accord. And I think we can, you know, we can have a bigger impact. So I started to uh, text guys around the league that I knew were doing um, work in their communities. Malcolm Jenkins was one of them. Josh McCown. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were several other players, uh, Glover Quinn. He was on the team with me at the time in Detroit. Um, so there was probably about um, five of us originally. And because of because of the work I had did in my uh, not-for-profit work, I had an opportunity to go testify before Congress um, after I did some work in Senegal. And going through that experience, that experience, I wanted to let guys know that, hey, we have an opportunity or we have a platform to where we can get the ear of different senators and congressmen. So I took those guys to D.C. with me, um, and we met with different senators and congressmen. Mm -hmm. um, we testified before Congress. But we also learned that, you know, while what we were doing, you know, was a good thing, the our, our most effective way of creating change would be on the state and local level. So um, that's how we came about uh, coming up with a, a different game plan um, as opposed to just going to Washington, D.C. And, and meet with uh, different officials there. Right. You see more grassroots on the local level would seem to be more um, strategic. It sounds like that's the way you've gone now. Most definitely, because I, I think um, – you know, the thing that we underestimate is how how our, our, our state and local um, mm -hmm. laws affect our everyday life. Right. Um, you know, so one of the things that we're doing this year is holding DA forms. Um, a lot of people don't know that DA, um, DAs are elected officials. And it's unfortunate because these are the people who prosecute. Um, they determine whether or not to prosecute. They determine how much time a person gets. All of this goes on, and DAs have a lot of power. They have a lot of power to create change. They have a, a lot of power to um, not lock people up on frivolous charges. Mm -hmm. And 
it's unfortunate because a lot of us don't know that these people are elected officials. So we're trying to make people aware of, number one, who's your local, who's your DA. Um, there's a lot of DA um, races that are coming up this year, so we're trying to educate people on who's actually running, what policies are they standing behind. And we're actually just trying to get people out to vote because that's the only voice that we have right now. Right. And it's a, it's a huge voice. So most people think the only time that we really need to vote is for the presidential election. And when most people go to vote, they, that's who they vote for. That's the only, those are the only two names that they know or only three names that they know on the ballot. But for anybody who's ever voted, they know once you get in that ballot booth, there are so many names on that ballot. And most of those are the state and local officials that you have to vote for. It's unfortunate because we know nothing about them and we don't know the policies that they stand behind. And we don't understand how they affect our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. But while, yes, it's great to vote for the president of the United States, you also have to be aware of your state and local officials. So some people don't know, so they just start to circle in anybody. They'll circle in a name that they saw on a billboard, right? but they have no idea what policies that person stand behind. They'll circle a name because they saw a flyer in somebody's yard saying right. vote for so-and-so. But they have no idea what policies that person stand behind. So I think it's important for us to help educate the public on who these officials are, the policies that they stand behind, how they can affect us on a daily basis, and get people out to vote in the right way. Our job isn't to tell people who to vote for. It's our job to educate them on who is up for election. Can you talk about the support, or lack thereof, but I assume you're getting support, uh, from NFL ownership? There was big in the news last fall when you did meet with ownership, and this funding of social causes coming out of it, which has been reported around $89, $90 million in coming years. Um, I know a lot of people sort of focus all this on the anthem and protests, but can you take us inside those meetings and what has really, what is the focus of this funding? Is it for things like you're talking about now? Yes, our, our, um, the focus of, of the funding is to create change in these communities. Okay. Um, one of the things one of the things that we try to do, and, and what we do in different cities, is we have what we call listen and learn tours. So we have we as players we go in, um, we meet with grassroots efforts um, who's been in these cities for a number of years. We learn the issues that go on in these cities. And then we meet with them and we try to brainstorm and come up with ways to rectify the problems that we see. We've had the privilege of taking several owners with us on Listen and Learn tours. Oh, you have? Okay. And that has been effective. Yes, that has been effective for us because a lot of times these owners have no idea of what's going on in their own states, the policies that happen 
Um, because a lot of the times, I mean, if we're going to be honest, they are never affected by mm-hmm. the same thing that people in a black and brown community are affected by. So, for example, we took um, Robert Kraft um, on a Listen and Learn tour in Massachusetts. And on these Listen and Learn tours, sometimes we go in courtrooms, we hear um, bail hearings um, and all of this. So he actually got the chance to see a seven-year-old child in the courtroom. And he couldn't believe it, Hmm. which led to him writing an op-ed um, in Massachusetts. Hmm. So I think, you know, it's one thing to to stay, uh, you know, what we're doing, but when you actually bring people along and have them to experience just how unfair our criminal justice system is, it affects them in a different way. Yeah. And is there funding for causes like this and how does that work? I know you guys are set up now as a, um, I believe you're a 501 C3 uh, for education, a 501 C4 as an advocacy organization. Is there funding directly into these structures? Yes, we've, we've uh, structured it to where we receive funding from the NFL. Um, for these different causes. Okay. Um, and that was our, our thinking as players. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we heard, you know, when the, when the national anthem, when the anthem protests were happening, mm-hmm. you had people that fall on, that fell on both sides, right? So you right. had coaches, owners, general, general managers saying um, it's unpatriotic, um, guys need to uh, stand and respect the flag. And then on the other end, you had coaches, owners, GMs saying, you know, we support the guys who um, demonstrate during the national anthem. But my thing was, or our thing was as a coalition, is if you support us, show us support. Because what most people were considering support was is what we consider permission. Hmm. So you had you had some owners and some um, coaches and GMs saying, we support the guys, we support the guys. But what they were really saying was, we give the guys the permission to demonstrate during the anthem. And that's one of the concerns that we, we brought to Commissioner Goodell. And he asked us what the support looked like then. And we told him, well, for us, support looks like when we go meet with senators and congressmen and and state legislators, that you guys come with us, that you be in the room with us. Support looks like you guys helping funding different projects that we have going on in these communities, grassroots efforts that that have been in these communities for a number of years. To us, that's what support looks like. Support isn't saying it's okay for a guy to raise his fist or take a knee during the uh, during the national anthem. But support is on the ground doing the hard work with us. Right. And a lot of some of the owners took us up on that challenge, and a lot of them have been engaged. And you know, I tip my hat to to those that have. Any any owners? Uh, you mentioned Robert Kraft coming to the courtroom. Any others you want to mention in terms of uh, being engaged in this process? 
there are, you know, there's several owners who have, you know, gone out and and supported us. Um, I said Robert Kraft is is one guy. Um, Stephen Ross uh, has been another. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur Blank um, from Atlanta. Uh, Chris Johnson um, up in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's several owners um, who have who have stepped up and and really um, tried to work alongside the players. On this issue, uh, I think first of all, if you could clear up, I just want to confirm that their their support of these causes was never a quid pro quo for the players all standing for the anthem. Correct? No, and and for us as players, we wanted to. That's one of the things that we wanted to make clear um, before we did the deal. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people were saying. Uh, you know, they're just throwing money at the situation just to get everybody to be quiet. But for us, um, that was a sticking point. Um, and it was never a quick pro quo to make sure that everybody uh, stands in the national anthem. And we told them, for us, we can't control every player in the NFL. Right. Guys have their own minds. They're going to do what they want to do. But for us, it's way deeper than the national anthem. National Anthem was just a way to focus the attention on the issues that we see in these communities. And for us, we wanted to do work in the communities, and we were asking for support from the NFL financially to make sure that we can be effective in the communities that we're in. And now we have it again. We have this, this clumsiness about this anthem policy, player protest policy, whatever you want to call it. It seems like the owners came up with this policy in May. They ignored the union. Owners can find, they passed it on to the teams to find if there's protest. And now the latest seems to be that it's on hold and they're talking to the union, but then you have Jerry Jones saying, my players will stand. Uh, Where do you come out on this? And, you know, if... You know this country is led by the the president is going to focus on this. And what you said to me this entire podcast is it's not about that. But I guess the question, you know, and then Malcolm got into this on an NBC News interview this year. It's when when you hear that people want to stick to sports and, and get this out of the game. I know that frustrates you because there's so many other aspects beyond football in the game already, correct? Yeah, that's very correct. Um, and I think <laughs> the thing with that is, uh, you know, people will allow you not to stick to sports as long as it's something that's comfortable for them. And what right, I mean by the breast is, cancer and the, have, and the pink, yes. Right. So if you look at all of the causes that the NFL support, none of them are really controversial. And they're all safe, and they're all issues that everybody can get behind. So you never see anybody say, let's stick to sports when it comes to um, those causes. But because it's, We care about what's going on in our communities. And maybe some people don't understand. Maybe some people don't see it. 
But just because you don't experience it or you might not see it at times doesn't mean it's not happening. And for us, that is very frustrating. Mm -hmm. But just because it's frustrating to us doesn't mean that we can let that stop us from doing the work that needs to be done. Because we as African-American men, majority of us have come from these communities. A lot of us still support these communities, have programs going on in these communities, and we see the effects of the way our criminal justice system treats our people mm-hmm. every day. So, no, we're not going to just stick to to football because it's a lot bigger than that. And for us, it's frustrating because we can't see how somebody cannot get behind us as players trying to better our country. Two questions about the Players Coalition in terms of kind of representing the entire player populace. Uh, There was talk of of fissures between most of the Player Coalition group and a few, for lack of a better word, defectors, maybe with Eric Reed, maybe Russell Okung and others. If you could address that. And then the, the second part of this is, what role, if any, has the union, the NFLPA, had in either supporting or being side-by-side with the coalition? All right. So when it comes to, uh, you know, the players um, and the split that you saw took place um the beginning of, what, last season, I would just tell people that, you know, all of us have the same end goal in mind. Even the guys that broke away, um, I think those guys have the same goal in mind, and that's to see um, racial biases eradicated. That's to see police accountability. That's to see education for the black and brown Mm -hmm. um, being brought up to par. So I think we all have the same um, goal in mind. I just think there's a difference in how we get there. And it's unfortunate that, you know, sometimes you have that. Um, yeah. You know, but you will never hear us uh, badmouth any, anybody um, because we feel like, you know, those guys have um, the same heart that we do. We just have a different way of getting there. And how about the union and their involvement here? Uh, the union, um, we, we, you know, we've had some discussions with the union, um, but the Players Coalition is a, a strictly a player-led initiative. Okay. Um, everything, everything comes from the players. When it comes to the issues that we want to attack, the different cities um, that we want to, um, you know, be in, everything is player-led. So, uh, you know, although we, we've talked to, um, the union, um, you know, we got advice here and there, but for the most part, everything is, is player led. Okay. Um, I'll let, I'll let you go with this. Anquan really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And this has been so enlightening. The now looking ahead, uh, you're retired now. Most of these guys are playing, 
what is the focus going forward? They won't have the time, or I assume they will on Tuesdays, like Malcolm and Chris and so many have done in the in, during the season last year. But what's the focus going forward? Is the Players Coalition going to be? I know you have a website now, players-coalition.org. Um, doing the things you're talking about throughout the season and and involving ownership as you talked about and tell me uh, what's ahead for the players coalition as training camp begins well for us we don't we, we won't stop um yeah. you know we've that's something that we've uh continued to focus on you know we we knew that obviously the season was coming back on us um, but the work doesn't stop once the season comes um, into play. Um, guys have dedicated their time, even during the season, um, to make sure that uh, we've stayed on top of, on top of different topics. Um, you know, meetings that we have to have, guys continue to attend those meetings, listen and learn tours we have scheduled um, for New Orleans and Atlanta. Um, I mean, the work doesn't stop. Right. Um, Yes, guys, time is limited, but guys are dedicated um, to the issues that, that we're addressing. And, you know, if guys have to, you know, catch a, a flight here or there, they're more than willing to. If you have to catch the train to meet with different um, state um, legislators, guys have done that. Um, you know, the, the calls that we've had have gone on, you know, later than expected. Um, some nights during the season, but guys have been dedicated. And I, I tip my hat to those guys because we all know that, you know, football is a full-time job. Right. And it, it puts a lot on your plate, but those guys have made the necessary sacrifices. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, fruit from those sacrifices. And you're seeing results. Uh, you know, I remember last year seeing that letter signed by Roger Goodell and Doug Baldwin about criminal justice reform to the Senate committee. Wow. I mean, I, I've been around the NFL a long time. I've never seen a player and a commissioner jointly sign uh, support for legislation. So I think kudos. That's one example of seeing some results out of this, correct? Most definitely. Um, like I said, guys are dedicated. Um, and guys aren't, you know, guys understand that the season is taxing, um, but guys aren't let, aren't let up, letting up on, on the issues um, that we see. Um, guys are still engaged. Um, guys are still coming up with different ideas um, of ways that we can attack uh, different issues in different communities. So um, guys are fully engaged even during the season. Really appreciate this. And, and your voice that so many can look up to, uh, Enjoy your family <laughs> and your your continued advocacy is is just exciting. I know retirement can bring on challenges for a lot of people. It sounds like you're engaged, you're active, and uh, you're following up just a great career with some real passion. So congrats to you, Anquan. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate um, the platform. Really hope you enjoyed listening to that powerful podcast with Anquan Bolden. I think it answers any question people have about what are they really doing, what's going on, what is this anthem protest. Much bigger, much more powerful, much deeper, much more grassroots, local, federal level, state, elections, everything, DAs heavily involved than that. Anquan Bolden on the Business of Sports podcast. Follow all the podcasts on iTunes. Give us a good rating. 
Tune in Stitcher, RossTucker.com, wherever you hear your podcast, subscribe. And follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.